0: You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Saoirse Long. FM 104. Hey,
1: 104, here. Good evening. Um, and then we're going to be talking about something that you might have come across before, but it's a weird one. Should you try and make your other half maybe be a bit nicer? Maybe be a bit more, I don't even want to say relax, because that's obviously the worst thing you can say to someone, isn't it? It's like, hey, Saoirse, just just chill out. Just relax, Chill out. OK, mm, just be, yeah. be a bit nicer. OK, thanks very much.
2: It is funny, though, because I think you get into a relationship and at the start, it's always really good. I think people put on a bit of a mask anyway, but then it comes down to your personality type, doesn't it? And you realise that maybe your partner might be more introvert and you're more extrovert and you just they're not good with people and they might not be as friendly as you are. And you kind of wish they were a little bit nicer at times.
1: Yeah, what if the, what if you're going out or married to a moan hole is the question we are asking you this <laughs> evening, okay? Because maybe that'll grate on you over time. Maybe they come a little bit more what's, argumentative or intolerable. And should you ever try and change that or work on that, you know, or should you just get up and should you leave anyway? New research has come out to suggest that there might be some benefits for you to try and maybe nudge your partner into being a little bit nicer and to talk a little bit more about what we mean by nicer, what we mean by you know nudging them and maybe when you should just run for the hills. <laughs> Joining us now is a uh, author and psychologist. who's a professor of uh, psychological brain sciences at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. We're delighted to welcome on uh, Susan K. Whitbourne. My apologies, Susan, how are things?
2: Uh, very well, thank you. How about you? Yeah, we're yeah. doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, I guess this has interested me hugely because all my relationships have ended terribly and Maybe they just needed to be a bit nicer.
1: Maybe it was your fault, issue. Maybe you're really mean and just really not workable or nice.
2: You know I'm perfect.
1: Mm, mm, mm.
3: Yes, well, you've hit on uh, kind of the core issue of introversion, extroversion is one thing, but it's the agreeableness that really determines how nice somebody is. And it's quite likely that. You met somebody who wasn't all that agreeable to start with, but for whatever reason, you were attracted to that person. Um, And then uh, the lack of agreeableness, disagreeableness, um, some of the abrasiveness starts to uh, become a bigger part of the picture, and you're faced with trying to decide, should I stay or should I go? Um, to put it uh, bluntly. Um, So the question is, is there anything you can do to uh, tame your particular, if you think of taming of the shrew, Kate, um, who became tamed in a not very nice way by Patricio, uh, but still it kind of set up the metaphor for me of what is the evidence about being able to tame um, somebody who is so difficult and disagreeable? And I I found a study that indeed uh, took a look at this in in a really interesting way, and not just kind of a one-shot study where you ask people about their agreeableness and see how they match up. No, Um, in this study, they followed a huge number of people over time to see what is the trajectory uh, in a relationship uh, when you pair a not nice person with a nice person.
1: Before maybe you jump into some of those findings, as it is really interesting, can you just maybe just clarify and explain a little bit when we talk about agreeableness and, and disagreeableness, uh, they're part of the, is it the big five personality trait kind of model that we use to, to assess people. What what maybe exactly would a, a, an agreeable person be from, from the psychological point of view versus a, a disagreeable or non agreeable person?
3: Well, it really is basically nice um, being low key, you know, go with the flow. And, and really think the, about the best of people rather than the worst. So that's a highly agreeable person. And the five factor model is kind of the most accepted personality framework when you're trying to categorize what somebody is like. There's other theories that don't look at just categorizing, but this is a good one for just mm. doing a really rough picture of somebody's total personality.
2: I think it's funny, though, that when I think of past relationships I had, I might have got on really well with them one on one. But when it's in a big group of people, they just won't budge and they won't make that effort.
3: That, that is another aspect of it. And, and so it's a, that's a really great point because you don't just take one trait and pull it out and look at it and only it. Um, If you have low agreeableness and low extroversion, yes, you're going to get that person who is kind of grumpy and can't be nudged out of grumpiness by having a good time
2: with
1: friends. So... You said this, obviously, study looked at a large group of people and what happens when someone who might be more agreeable might be more, as you said, nicer, finds themselves somehow with a very, you know, non-agreeable, disagreeable kind of confrontational person maybe. Is it good news or bad news for that couple?
3: Well, there's good news and bad news. Um, (laughs) As a true psychologist, (laughs) I've got to talk about both. Um, But the good news is that people low on agreeableness tend to have more relationship events. So they get into relationships, but then the not so good news is they get out of relationships, but then they get into other relationships. So they actually had a higher number of relationship events, but they're not the kind that you would necessarily want to have. So that's sort of part A. But the other part is what do you do when this person that you fell in love with, um, some of that disagreeableness starts to show through? Do you run as quickly as you can? Or do you take the sort of Petruchio approach and say, well, what can I do to maybe change this person? And, And one thing we know about personality in general is that personality leads you to gravitate towards certain situations. Once in that situation, you're further affected by the situation. So once you're in this relationship with this disagreeable person, you could be that influence on helping to sort of uh, soften their rough edges a little bit.
2: Because I was thinking like when you're getting into a relationship to begin with, are there signs that you should look out for that someone might not be compatible with you personality wise you know because i think people do put on a show at the start
3: yeah so disagreeable people are always um it's not just that they're complaining it's that they're angrily complaining and they just you, you just know they're grumpy i mean that's really what it is and they're not just grumpy in the morning before their cup of coffee or tea they're just perennially grumpy so that's a bad sign um but then there could be other factors that are more alluring or more um, attractive to you. And so you balance that out. And then you say, well, can I live with this or not, is really the question you have to ask yourself.
1: Because I know there's some benefits to being disagreeable. I think you're more likely to be either a manager or CEO or better negotiator if you're more disagreeable, which might, you know, earn you more money down the line, because you're like, no, 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 not accepting that now. Hang on. And, you know, I imagine disagreeable people will constantly be looking for a better deal, a better price, and won't agree on things like that, and there might be so much effort that people are just in the shops going, Okay, go on, just get out of my face, but um <laughs> for for other I know there's always There's always a debate about wanting to change your other partners. Is there anything to be said for learning how to live with a disagreeable person? So like working on uh, uh, on your own aspects of why the disagreeableness is an issue for you as well.
3: Uh, Normally, I would say yes to that if we weren't talking about agreeableness. (laughs) Right. Because if you are an agreeable person, You don't actually want to become less agreeable, maybe unless you want to be that kind of manager (laughs) that you just talked about. Um, But no, usually agreeable people have a wider range of other personalities that they can get along with. I mean that's kind of the core of agreeableness is you're not as bothered by people who would infuriate everyone else so i don't think you would want to change yourself i think you would want to try to find ways to get your personality to rub off on your partner and in their more agreeable moments, because they're bound to have some, um, to try to find um, more of a common ground.
2: So that's what I want to know then. How do you go about trying to, I don't say change somebody, but make them a little bit Yeah, how could we nicer. change Saoirse
1: <laughs> from being so disagreeable and ruining all of her past relationships? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I don't think, again, that's the case. But
3: um, if your partner is disagreeable, you could really use um, kind of one of the best methods of therapy, I think, that there is that can easily be done even by non psychologists which is cognitive behavioral where you take a situation and you try to reframe it so they come home they're angry or they're at home because everybody's at home all the time Uh, but they're they're complaining about the last call they had or an email and you then can maybe pull out of there what it is that is so bothersome to your partner and maybe what wasn't really supposed to be bothersome but they're just taking it the wrong way so helping them to construct a more pleasant reality by having your reality shape theirs can can be beneficial to both of you but particularly can help your partner um find less stressful ways to go through life
2: yeah because it is probably for the most part learned behavior like maybe if you have a negative parent you might take that on when you're older.
3: That's right, that's right. You you kind of, this is all rubbed off on you throughout your life, or maybe some events really made this person um, so cynical and distrustful. Um, And we do know that an early sense of trust in life is really a foundation to a healthy personality. So that cynicism, which is, we haven't really talked about, but one of the core features of disagreeableness, try to get that, turn that frowny face to a smiley face.
1: Uh, you know, you've been talking and there's like two or three people that I know that would be pure, just hardcore, disagreeable people to the point where I was away on a on a, on a lad's holiday years ago and when we went away and just, we started noticing, you know, obviously the first time you're living with people for like two weeks without any breaks, you suddenly obviously start to realise start grating on each other. But this guy was so negative that I don't even think what he was saying was his own opinion. It was just he had to be opposite to what everyone was saying. So we just started trying things. We were like, let's all just see for the crack if he disagrees with random stuff we start saying. And we're like, oh, I I hate that movie with Denzel Washington. And he'd be like, no, no, I love it. And then we'd be like, oh, really like this? And he'd be like, nah, don't like that. And it just seemed to be his default position was the opposite and disagree with everyone. I don't even think it was what he thought. He just had to disagree with everyone.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of uh, gets to the point of childishness, I, I guess, just uh, to be a curmudgeon just for the sake of that. But I mean, I pointed out in the blog, which you know, I wrote about in Psych Today, would you get your person, partner to be nicer if you could? Well, yeah. I mean, this perennially grumpy and contrarian type of individual, um, there, there could be ways to soften the edges, as I pointed out. And, you know, maybe some of the background of what's behind it. And then what is the course going to be of a future relationship? It's one thing when you're off on a vacation with your friends for a couple of weeks. But when you're talking about being in it together for the long haul, everybody benefits you, your partner, family. I mean, think, life just becomes easier and maybe you can shine some light onto their darkness and help them see that really, you know, life can be happier when you're not so grumpy.
2: <laughs> or maybe you could just go with a non-grumpy person. Yeah. Like you could do that.
3: <laughs> but what if you're the one who's grumpy? So, you know.
1: Yeah, can they have well, to tolerate you. Something so you. negative. Something so negative, <laughs> Saoirse. You can change things around, okay? And you can have a positive, happy fulfilled life. But um, <laughs> uh, but listen, Susan, that's really interesting. And we appreciate you giving up your time this evening here in f one 4 to talk about disagreeableness and nice people and nice other halves. Um, is there anywhere you would uh, recommend people can find you online and check out more of your work? Yeah, absolutely.
3: So I do write a uh, twice weekly column in Psychology Today. And my column is called Fulfillment at Any Age. Sometimes I write about aging. Uh, a lot of times I write about fulfillment. Um, so you can check out a lot of the uh, topics that I've written about in psychology. They tend to be personality, um, health, mental health. And uh, to see tomorrow I'll be writing one about memory and how to uh, improve your memory. So you never know what you'll find in that blog, but I try to keep it interesting.
1: Thanks a million for that, Professor Susan K. Whitbourne. Thanks a million for chatting to us here on Room 104.
2: Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Take care.